Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 12. We're going to be joining you every week to talk IT career, news, and opinions based on our points of view, of course. I'm your host, John White, at VJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, as always, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John, I'm doing great. I am one sore individual. Yesterday, I went to work out with my wife, and let me tell you, for all the out of shape dads out there, I took one for the team because I'm a I'm pretty out of shape, and I I realized that about 15 minutes into the workout. So, but we're gonna keep going back every Saturday morning for a while. Is it what is it? Hot yoga? <laughs> no, it's called Refit Rev and Flow. So it's it's is it like a boot boot camp. Uh, kind of. You know, it's it's like an aerobics class to to clean music. You know, there's nothing, there's no twerking or anything like that. A lot of, a lot of bending, a lot of squats, a lot of twisting, a lot of muscle toning. So kind of, kind of good stuff, but I digress. I want to make sure everybody knows we're both VMware solution engineers looking to bring you the career advice. We wish we'd be given earlier in our careers. Hopefully the career discussions we have will be timeless and relevant across disciplines. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. If you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great, Nick. You know, I'm I'm really starting to, to like that uh, entrance. Uh, how's it going for you? It's good. You know, the guys that came up with that must must have something good going for them. That's all I can say. Well, that's you and me, and we just literally could not think of anything else. Hey, sometimes you have to go with where it all started. (laughs) Awesome. So let's get into topics. Um, We're going to be talking about two different things uh, this week. The first topic is effective one-on-one meetings with your manager or supervisor. Um, We're going to be covering that. And then secondly... How to leave your organization gracefully. Uh, this doesn't always happen. You know, hopefully you have a long career, but sometimes it's uh, not just leaving the company. It's just, you know, one organization for a different organization inside your company. Um, but, you know, we wanted to cover kind of our guidance and uh, things that we've learned about how to do that. So without further ado, effective one-on-one meetings with your manager. Um Nick, there's a couple things that I wanted to say here. And first of all, I mean, this is pretty important for me. Uh, every meeting, but especially a one-on-one meeting with your manager, should have an agenda, right? An agenda that you have more than a day ahead of time. So both of the people who are going to be, you know, attending the meeting know what is going to be talked about and have time to prepare especially if there's things on that on that agenda where, you know, hey, I need an answer for this, or hey, I'm hoping you can brainstorm uh, with me on this, et cetera, et cetera. So um, agenda is my first uh, piece of advice for effective one-on-one meetings with the uh, manager. Is that, yeah, that's good. Uh, what, you're, what it sounds like you're telling everyone is that there's an element of planning to this, that you can't just go into it and wing it. You need to really reflect on how things are going between the last time you and your manager spoke and, you know, what, what do you have to bring to the table for discussion? And hopefully the manager will do the same, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, 
it's it's kind of wasted time. You know, if you have, say, 30 minutes and you both sit down and go, okay, now what are we going to talk about? It's almost like, well, why are we having this meeting? <laughs> I mean, the, the almost the only effective use of that time would be to come up with an agenda for the next meeting, right? <laughs> A meeting about the next meeting. We're having so, the meeting because it was on the calendar, John. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's also not a good reason to have it. Yeah. It's probably the real reason. I don't know. So I've definitely had meetings without agendas and without structure, and they're terrible. Uh, In in general, they're terrible. Sometimes you can luck into a good meeting without an agenda, but um, with an agenda, with a timeline attached to that agenda, and expected action items coming out of that agenda, um, you know, then... That is a you know a recipe for a good meeting. You can still have a bad meeting with a great agenda, but um, you're you're setting yourself up for success with that. Yeah, that's good. I would actually like to know how many listeners out there do this today, because I salute you. That's a that's something that I am still working on to do better at. You know. Yeah, certainly not perfect at it myself. I still think that you know going into a meeting, you know, first of all, you know, the, the thing that we need to know is how many people actually have one-on-one meetings with their manager or supervisor. Um, you know, I, I think you kind of need one weekly. Um, and, and if you, if you don't have it weekly, then that's kind of a red flag, you know, why not? Does, does there really a week go by where nothing comes up that you need to uh, talk about? So, you mean this isn't that thing we do once a year where we go over and get ranked on how well you performed and all that stuff? Oh, it certainly can be an element of that, but certainly not a once yearly meeting. No, I, I think that those once yearly meetings should be almost a review of the things that come out of this weekly meeting, right? So, if you have performance guidance that needs to be, you know, given to you um, as part of that meeting, um, then you need to be given it during this weekly meeting, you can't go in to a yearly meeting and say, by the way, for the last 52 weeks, you know, you've had a problem and we just haven't bothered to tell you about it. You know, that's a, that's silly. Yeah. That's a really (laughs) bad situation to be in and probably a red flag. Yeah, definitely a red flag. In general, you know, in my mind, that means um, there really wasn't a problem and they just needed to come up with something. But if you have a weekly meeting or even a, meeting every other week and you keep your agendas and this performance issue wasn't on the agenda and then you're given a performance review with this problem on it, then, you know, you have grounds to, to have a, you know, rebuttal. Wait a minute. Here's our agendas for the past 52 weeks and you never mentioned it once. Um, so, you know, what's, what's, how, how is this possibly uh, an issue? So, I mean, it shouldn't be a defensive thing. You know, that's a, a little bit more uh, about performance reviews maybe, but, you know, definitely have an agenda and definitely have, if you're putting items on the agenda, there should be, you know, expected outcome for it. If your manager's doing it, you know, there should be an expected outcome um, and, you know, any preparatory information that you need going into it. Oh, nice. I remember reading something about the, the right way to ask your manager to do something because, a lot of times you're asking your manager to do it because only he or she can, or maybe you're leveraging their authority or their position to help you in a situation. But if it's something that you should really be doing, 
you know, maybe you shouldn't ask your manager to do it. Yeah, I think that maybe goes to um, when you're putting stuff on the agenda, you know, so maybe that's the next point. Like, first of all, you should be able to put stuff on the agenda, right? It's not just your manager. Let's let's make it clear that that's an important point. Um, and when you do, you shouldn't just be bringing things that are problems that you just are handing over your to your manager to solve. And it shouldn't just be, hey, I have this random complaint. It should be something that's significant. It should be um, something that you need help on. Uh, you need to bring what you've already tried to do to solve the problem. And then you need to also have like an, an ask, a request of your manager. And I think what you were talking about is, hey, I need to borrow your role power um, over somebody else, or I need to lean on your relationship with somebody else in a different organization, or I need to um, tap into your knowledge of the, of the organization writ large because I don't know who to talk to and where to start. Um, so I need some of your help there, or I just need your experience doing this job to maybe give me some guidance on uh, getting around a blockage. Maybe it's mental, maybe it's, you know, organizational, something along those lines. Um, and then, you know, expect feedback because they're, you know, your manager might go, listen, I'm not, uh, you know, I could call that person's boss and say, hey, why is your person uh, messing around with my person and, and not giving them information? But, you know, maybe let's save that, you know, for <laughs> a last resort and, and try something else. And, uh, and, and you should be ready for that. You know? Right. If you're going to bring it up, be prepared to get feedback on it for sure. Definitely. Definitely. It's, it's not a one way path, any kind of request. It should be, you know, discussion and you, you know, you have to be prepared for your manager to help you grow as, you know, in your role with this challenge. Right. So that's kind of my thoughts on that. It's, uh, you know, you're, you are making a request usually and usually the request is, you know, knowledge, role power, or organizational uh, organizational positioning. So, sure. And uh, maybe a lot of people are, or they just feel that the one-on-one typically goes, "Okay, where are we at on these five things?" And maybe you, as the employee, don't feel like you get to bring a lot to the table. If if you don't get to right now, and that's not the way things are going, mention that to your manager. Hey, can we? try something a little different in this meeting. I'd like to bring some things to the table as well. And maybe that could better your relationship with your manager in the long term. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I mean, I, I kind of feel like that's how, what people expect from one-on-ones as well is like, Hey, I need an update on these projects that you have in your portfolio. Okay. But that's not actually a one-on-one meeting. That is a project check-in meeting. And those are two different things, right? Um, and they might be back to back, you know, you might have a 30 minute project check-in meeting followed by a 30 minute, you know, one-on-one, but the one-on-one is a different meeting from a project check-in. One-on-one is about, you know, your performance, your growth and, uh, your, um, career journey too. I mean, so that kind of dovetails into my next point (laughs) that I wanted to talk about, which was, uh, you should be able to make your career journey an agenda item on this one-on-one meeting with your manager. I don't know if that's something that you have a lot of experience with, but it's something that I find pretty important, pretty powerful. You know, I have, 
I have not had a lot of career conversations with managers. I've had some, but you know, I, I kind of feel like you have to be careful about how you're adding that to the agenda because you don't want to just send a, Hey, I hate what I'm doing and I want to be doing something else pretty soon. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good point. So I think when I talk about um, career journey, it's really just about progression. How do I get better at what I'm doing right now is part of your career progression in your career journey. Um, so a lot of people and our audience is, you know, one of the things that they do is they tune into this uh, podcast to try to, you know, get some ideas on advancing career. Um, and, and some, for some subset of people, it is going to be leaving the organization. Right. Um, but, that's maybe not something that you necessarily talk and bring up with your your manager. Really, I think what I'm focused on is, you know, good management in good organizations where you're happy with what you're doing, but you want to progress. And, you know, what is your individual contributor career path or your managerial career path if you want to become a manager um, in, in what it is that you're doing right now, right? So I'm at, you know, the... Um, I'm doing a B plus job. How do I do uh, an A minus job or an A or an A plus? Um, I'm a um, system engineer. How do I become a senior systems engineer? Or I'm a network engineer. How do I become a principal network engineer? Um, so these are all career path questions, and you should be able to tap into your manager or supervisor's knowledge of the organization to, to get help on, on that path. Right. And you could also dovetail into that discussion, the types of things that really interest you. Hey, boss, I, I really like what I'm doing, but you know, I, I would really love to delve into some projects in this area of the IT umbrella or maybe even a completely different department. I'm not saying I want out. I just want some new challenges. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. And, and what you're asking for there is an expansion of your areas of responsibility. Right. And um, and we're also, you know, very clearly not talking about pay raises. We're just talking about career progression. Um, you know, pay raises kind of a yet another separate conversation and needs to be documented, you know, with outcomes from these one on one meetings. You know, yes, you are, you know, advancing your your areas of responsibility, taking on more work, you know, doing excelling at all the, these things that we've documented in the one on ones. So. Um, yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, John, in your opinion, whose job is it to bring up career progression first? Is it yours, your managers, or is it a little bit of responsibility on each person's shoulders? I think that in a good relationship, um, in a good company culture, you know, managers should be getting guidance to make sure that they're having one-on-ones regularly and that, uh, at a, an important agenda item, you know, to, that recurs in these one-on-ones is career progression for the individual, um, you know, uh, who's getting, uh, who's in the report position, right? Not the manager, but the report. So um, if the manager isn't bringing it up, it might just be an oversight. So it's, I would say, a mutual responsibility to make sure that it's on the agenda. It's just uh you know, the individual contributor who's going to benefit from it. So um, that, that's, you know, that person should make sure um, that it's there. And and maybe it's, 
you know, if, if you've gone for years, if you've had a one-on-one meeting for years and never talked about career progression really in any way, it might be one way that you judge the health of the organization. Um, it's just one way to judge. It's not the ultimate way to judge things. Yeah, that's good. I would actually say that, you know, the manager bringing it up could actually help the manager's growth too. You know, maybe you're new to management and you want to continue in that career path and, you know, take on more and more direct reports, the ability to say, Hey, I've helped develop the people under me. That's something that's attractive to your management. Is it not? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I'm, I haven't ever been a a people manager. Um, but if I was one of the ways that I would justify, you know, my, my performance to my management would be the advancement and even the promotion and, you know, diagonal promotion of people out of my organization, right? I develop so well that people have to move up and out because they're so good that they need to do something else. You know, I, I'd love to be judged on that. Um, as long as I'm also, you know, amazing at recruiting. <laughs> Hopefully those two things go hand in hand. Of course. Maybe I'm just idealizing the job of people manager, but, um, you know, never having done that job. I can canonically say that I would love to be judged that way. (laughs) Very nice. Um, So I think, you know, hopefully your manager is going to be receptive to this. If you don't have this already, Um, I think we said it a couple times uh, weekly. I think that's important to at least have it on the agenda um, it should be a recurring weekly meeting. And of course, you know, in certain weeks it, it doesn't happen and you need to reschedule it for the next week, skip, skip a week or a different time in the week. Um, again, things happen, but um, it should be an important, important part of um, you being a report and your manager being a manager. Uh, so with that said, you have anything to add? No, I don't. I mean, it could be, I lied. It could be biweekly, you know, maybe that's not a horrible thing, but as long as it's consistent there, it doesn't need to be once a month. Surely you talk to your manager at least once a week in some form or fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. But I think that actually that's a great transition to kind of this next area that we could talk about. What, what are the different barriers that could exist within an organization to have um, not have these, you know, regularly recurring one-on-ones. And, and I kind of see three different effects, um, two of which I have written down in my notes here. Um, one is proximity. Another is a large number of reports. And a third is just culture, a culture of not having those one-on-ones. So maybe we could address the culture thing first. If an organizational culture, you know, if lacks that ability to, for managers and reports to have regularly recurring one-on-one meetings. I think that would be another way that I would negatively judge the organization. Um, and, and maybe there's mitigating reasons, you know, maybe there's an informal one-on-one meeting, maybe there's a daily one-on-one, you know, but um, I think that there needs to be something like that on a regular basis. I think bi-weekly would be about as infrequent as, would be healthy. Um, and it needs to be every other week at least, but weekly preferably. 
Because if you have an every other week scheduled meeting and that is a problem, um, hey, we need to push this week, then really you have an every third week meeting, you know, for that time period. And then all of a sudden you haven't had a meeting in a month. And then now you're kind of in a negative spiral as far as having weekly one-on-ones or regular one-on-ones. Yeah, that makes sense. I I actually kind of feel like, you know, the less often you see your manager, the more you might want to have that one-on-one, especially if you're working in different parts of the country, you know, you don't work in the same office or you both work from home, you know, not everybody's manager is in the office down the hall. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. I think that um, the further away and the less frequently you see each other, the more important a weekly one-on-one is. Um, just because, you know, that person isn't necessarily observing you doing your job, right? Um, I think two jobs ago, I worked in a, in a wholesale distributor, right? And we all worked in the same office. Sometimes I worked remote, probably more often than my manager would like. Um, but if there was a, you know, a lack of observing what's going on, your manager can't see you doing your job, then it's really even more critically important to meet regularly to talk about that performance expectations, negative, you know, um, positive reviews of what's going on, you know, just so you get that feedback. But proximity, man, it's it's funny because proximity can also be a reason that it feels like it's really difficult to have a one-on-one because, you know, you're not seeing each other. So it feels like, well, what are we going to talk about? I don't know what you're doing. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. But I would also use the reverse argument that, you know, let's say your boss is in the cube next to you and you go back and forth at least a couple times a day. And then you take this one-on-one time and you're like, well, what do we talk about now? We, we talk almost all day long. Yeah. So I think that, um, you kind of said that you're talking about things um, all day long, um, but you it's a little bit more difficult to have a long-term strategy conversation. Um, and, you know, especially one that involves your career, right? It's a little bit tough sure. to stand up and talk over the cube about, Hey, you know, what's my next job going to be? Or, you know, I, I want to take on more responsibility with, with everybody in the office, you know, also privy to that conversation. So, it probably should happen in a conference room and be a you know an actual one on one meeting i agree um, because again usually if you're talking over you know cube wall or around a corner um or shouting over a desk it's project updates it's not long term strategy it's not performance review um performance guidance coaching you know all the things that you would want in a one on one meeting Sure. That makes sense. And then in my notes, I actually have a second thing, you know, another problem that can be a barrier to these weekly one-on-ones and that's managers with large number of reports. And, you know, maybe this is also part partially a culture issue. If you have a lot of uh, a manager that has a lot of reports, um, that means the organization isn't, putting enough managers in the field. Um, and, you know, it's probably the sweet spot, I think, in the industry is generally eight is, you know, about the limit that you can manage effectively, I think is the, the general idea. Um, 
And and one of the reasons is how do you do weekly 30 minute one-on-ones with more than eight people, right? If you have 10 people or 20 and you're doing one-on-ones, I mean, that's going to suck up a significant portion of your time. So, you know, good performance management can't really involve that, uh, you know, a whole bunch of people, 30 people, 40 people. So, um, I've definitely had a manager with, you know, a large number of reports and, and ended up being not even biweekly, but monthly. And then sometimes those monthly one on ones get canceled. And so <laughs> really we only ever talk, you know, maybe seven or eight times a year. That's a problem, right? It's really difficult to get performance feedback, to ask questions, uh, to get coaching, to get help from your manager. If you're only talking seven or eight times a year. So, that's pretty wild, John. <laughs> you know, no shade on that manager. Again, with a, a large number of reports, you know, how do you how do you handle that, right? You could spend 20 hours a week just doing one-on-ones, and then you have 40 more hours a week of actual work. Plus all the other meetings you have to be in for important things, right? Yep. Yep. When you're a manager, there's a little bunch of those. So I think we're pretty tapped out on that. I think we've covered it, you know, at least in an initial step, you know, I think that if our viewers, our viewers, if our listeners want, you know, more feedback on that, what goes on and in specific outcomes and and examples of that, you know, feel free to tweet at us um, at nerd journey and we will revisit the topic. Might be but, fun to do like a live mock one on one, huh? Just a thought. Ooh, yeah, that's an interesting idea. We'll have to think about that. Which of us gets to be the manager? Probably you. Oh, uh, okay. Maybe uh, we can find somebody else outside either of us to do a, a mock one on one. There you go. Yeah. Cool. So our next topic uh, was how to leave your organization gracefully. And I thought that I didn't really have anything to say about this, but um, I reread your blog and it inspired me to uh, with a couple different things. But um, I want to let you talk about your blog entry and it really had to do with you leaving your last organization, right? Sure. So I I left an organization uh, in the HR services company to come to VMware last December. And really cool company, love the culture, love the people. And they had this blog that you could, you know, you could guest write for. So my my entries weren't necessarily industry specific all the time, but I thought, well, how cool would it be to write one about how to leave the company the right way? Because that's what I'm trying to do. And so on the last day I was there, the marketing manager published this blog that I wrote on how to leave the right way. And so it's mainly a a conglomeration of advice for both the employee leaving and the employer so that, you know, that last two weeks, which hopefully if you're an employee, you gave two weeks, assuming you could, is not something that both parties just write off and that you can actually use it as an efficient time period to benefit both parties as much as possible while the relationship continues. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. I really like the idea of preserving the relationship too. That seems to be really important. So what, um, there, there are a couple things that really jumped out at me, but I want to let you talk about the ones that you felt the most strongly about. 
Oh, okay. So one of the things I, I think you should do, you know, if you're going to put in your notice, I think no matter what, you kind of have to be prepared to leave that day because you never know if, if the company is going to be interested in the last, having you there for the last two weeks or however long you, you say you're going to be there. But hopefully, you know, if you trust your manager, you like the company, they like you, then they're going to want you there for the, the remaining two weeks. If you're the employer, then you made an investment in this person being there. And hopefully you, you want to continue to get what you can out of them while they'll still be there. Uh, you, it was a courtesy on your part to, to give that notice to the employer and, and be honest why you're leaving. Is it, is it a dream job that you just never thought might happen? Are you, do you have to move out to move up? Is, was there just something you didn't like about the role and that's why you looked elsewhere and, you know, be honest about that and let them know that you don't want a counter offer or that there's nothing that could be countered that would make you stay. And, and that's okay. Don't waste people's time. And one of the other things I think, remember the relationships you had with coworkers, because those are relationships that you probably want to keep. You know, you, we make friends at work or hopefully we do. And you want to keep in touch with those people, see how they're doing. Maybe there's an opportunity for you to help them or them to help you down the line. It's, it's not just goodbye forever. And, you know, stay engaged until the end. Don't just tune out and, and zone out dreaming and looking at greener pastures. Finish what you started. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. Before, before we get too far away from the um, idea that you might have to walk away that day, um, can we just focus in on that? Like, what does that mean? Like, I, um, So you're saying if you give two weeks notice, the organization might just say, okay, well, in that case, why don't you just leave right now? Yep. Like today, like we'll walk you over to your desk desk so you can grab your lunch, but you're done. Yeah, that's, that is a possibility. And, you know, being an internal IT, I've seen that happen where people went and put in their two weeks notice and they were just told, well, let's just go ahead and make that this your last day. I think a lot of times that happens when someone hasn't been with a company for very long and they jump Mm. and they jump ship again. That's traditionally where I've seen it happen, but you know, it may be, you just don't know. It, it's kind of one of those unknowns. You go in to say, hey, I, I'm going to part ways. And once you say those words, you don't know what will happen on the other side of the table, what kind of thoughts are going through that person's head. And, right. And you just need to, to be prepared for that as a possible outcome. Hopefully not, but we don't know. So there should be some things that you you would want to gather to take with you ahead of time since you know this is going to happen um, or you're anticipating, you know, the possibility of it happening. Right. So maybe copies of your performance reviews that you have access to historically from the company's uh, system. Uh, maybe you need to, to download those and take those with you um, and, and get those out of the organization before you even go and, and talk to the, the people. Right. Um, you should have copies of it and it might just be a hassle to get them. Uh, if you, you know, after you're, you're done. Right. So, um, that's, that's the thing that I could think of maybe, uh, you know, contacts, you know, your organizational contacts and the people you want to stay in touch with, um, you know, but it probably, uh, is not kosher to kind of 
download your company's um, customer database and and walk out the door with that. That's uh, that's probably a no no. You're you're talking about you know uh, proprietary customer uh, or uh, employer um, intellectual property. Don't take that. Yeah, don't do that. It's the stuff. It's the stuff that you um, are entitled to, and that should be pretty clear. You know, you're entitled to your work history, you know, copies of your performance reviews, um, things like that. Um, maybe <laughs> the yeah, it kind of. Uh, it, I think the other thing that you mentioned was. Um, oh my goodness! Yeah, your your relationships, right? Um, I really like that. Um, just the ability to, to, to be friendly with the people that you, you, you talk to. I think that, uh, maybe I think you listed something that you didn't mention, which was find out the protocol for talking to other people about your decision to leave the organization. If you're staying those two weeks, um, some organizations don't want you to tell them they want, you know, the manager to make an announcement so everybody hears at the same time and there's not rumors and so on and so forth. So I think that's pretty important too. But at the same time, make sure that, you know, all the people you want to stay in touch with, you know, you schedule some meetings and talk to them and just, you know, stay friendly. Not, you know, if the organization doesn't want you to, to announce that you're leaving, then maybe you don't do that. But um, just uh, uh, farm those relationships within the organization. Absolutely. And, you know, as during those last few days, weeks, there's no reason you couldn't help your employer make sure that the job description for the role you're in is up to date. You know, maybe that role transitioned to be something completely different and it would benefit the company to have that updated so they know to hire the right kind of person for the job to replace you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um Assuming they're going to. If, yeah, you, you have the organization's best uh, interest in mind. You know, maybe you could uh, give an outline of a transition plan. Um, if there's somebody, you know, that you're working with that could take over your responsibilities, you, you know, write out, you know, everything that they need to know um, and have that ready to, to hand over to somebody, you know, even if it's just HR. Um, yeah, all those things. Those are, that's a great idea, actually. So I had an article that um, I listened to. If uh, if you're done talking, I, I don't think that you mentioned every single point. No, I didn't because I want people to go read the article. I want to spoil it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So um, I'll maybe transition to the Manager Tools podcast because I'm, you know, a big fan of that and I'm a subscriber. Um, but I think reading your article inspired me to kind of revisit one of their podcasts, which was how to resign. Um, and we will put a link in the show notes to that podcast. Um, I, again, don't want to give all of their points. Some of them aren't relevant to our conversation just because there was a podcast that was focused not on individual contributors, but on managers. Um, but the first point that I really want to emphasize is tell no one, right? You can tell your spouse that you're planning on leaving, but don't tell anybody else. And there's a 
a story I remember. I couldn't find the link on Spiceworks, so maybe I'll try and go back and find it. But it was somebody who um, was working at an MSP for a boss that he wasn't necessarily that happy with, told his boss that he was planning on leaving. And his boss then basically proceeded to badmouth him around the, the town and the city. So uh, that person didn't have a choice but to stay, basically. Um, and he had had some soft offers from some of the customers of the MSP that he was working for um, to go work for them directly. And those were yanked back um, and, and did not become firm job offers. And he was really, he was at, he was at Spi- the Spiceworks com- community saying, what do I do now? And, you know, a lot of the answers were, well, you don't have a time machine. I mean, you can move, <laughs> right? Uh, leave that, leave that city. Uh, but it, it sounds like, you know, somebody went, um, you know, scorched earth on you and you don't have any options now because you told them you were going to leave before you were ready to leave. So that dovetails into the second point, which is get your new job first. Right. Don't, don't leave and don't tell them you're going to leave and then figure it out. Um, you know, do a job search, find a new employer, get a firm offer, get a start date, and then give your notice. I don't know if that makes sense to you, either of those points. Yeah, it does. I was actually going to ask the question about if the person had a firm job offer and you answered it, they didn't when they told the manager. So that's good. Good advice. Even a firm job offer can be rescinded, right? Um, you know, that's probably not good practice um, for employee employers to make a written job offer and then pull it pull it back. But on the other hand, you know, it, people accept job offers and then don't show up to them. You know, so it kind of works both ways um, with you know similar hits to reputation both of the organization and of the employee, you know, if an employee no shows to, you know, an accepted job, like you're probably not going to get another offer at that organization and maybe not from that manager that, that hired you and maybe not from an HR recruiter that, that handled your case there. And if you went through a recruiter or a staffing agency, they're probably not going to handle you either. So, um, you know, it, it's very possible that this person could have, um, you know, said they were going to leave and, and go to that, uh, you know, to that customer. And, and then the, the boss badmouthed them to the customer and had that customer, you know, yank that offer again. So I think maybe that would go to, you know, some additional guidance, which is don't tell them what you're going to do. Um, and, and maybe like, that's a little bit contradictory to what you said, Nick, about, you know, if you, if there's a reason, then you tell them the reason why you're leaving I I almost kind of wouldn't do that. I would almost just leave it as, Hey, I've had a really good time here and it's time for me to move on. Um, very, been very happy with my time, the end. And if they, you know, push you, then you just, I, I think the manager tools guidance is just repeat until they give up. I've been really happy here. It's time for me to move on. Been really happy. It's time for me to move on. So then, you know, what is, what does that person do? They go, Oh, maybe they're changing industries you know, maybe they could be going to work for one of my customers, but, you know, there's so many possibilities that they kind of, you know, what do you go scorched earth on, you know? 
Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there's nothing that requires you to say that information. I mean, in at-will employment states, you can be terminated without reason. So keep that in mind. But just remember, I mean, all this stuff put together, if you look at it as a whole, just remember that the things you do on the way out can ruin whatever reputation you had while you were there. And you don't want that. No matter what happens, you you probably don't want to look like a jerk in the end if you've been a great employee for several years. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, and you know that's a judgment based on um, um, probably your relationships at that organization. So in this you know case of the SpiceWorks person, um, there had been several um, made and broken promises over the years. So, you know, that's very different, I think, from your situation where you had a great um, uh, working relationship with your manager and the organization and a great reputation. And, you know, you wanted to maintain those relationships. And in this case, you know, that person had already, uh, you know, a soured relationship, at least you know, one way he, he felt soured by his employer. So yeah, wanting to go back to that is probably not a good thing, but there's a spectrum of responses there and you have to have a personal, you know, personally judge where you are in that spectrum, you know, the close, um, you know, give a reason side or the don't give a reason side. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's totally subjective. Everybody. We're just giving you our opinions. Yeah, absolutely. You're the one who's living it. <laughs> yeah, you have to live with those consequences too. There is a um, something that kind of dovetails with your idea that you might be walked out the door, and that is um, you need the buffer, like your financial buffer, to um, to survive that time. Like if you have a start date that's you know three or four weeks in the future because you really wanted to give um, your your company time to transition, and they just walk you out the door. You need to be able to pay your bills for those four weeks that you had anticipated. You can't just automatically assume that your next employer is willing to like take you on, you know, the ver- you know, the next day or the next Monday or, or whenever that is, right? So you need that financial cushion. You have to be ready to be out of work between the time that you have, um, give the day that you're going to give notice and the day that you expect to start. And you should have an emergency buffer that goes well beyond that. Um, because again, what if that employer rescinds the, the offer for whatever reason, then you need more job search time. So, yeah. And if the first payday is not until two weeks after you start, that's even more time. Yeah. Or a month after, or mm-hmm. the month after the end of the month that you start. Right. I mean, those are the kinds of things that you need to know. So, um, I, I think people should have a six month emergency fund, but, um, you know, just be, be ready, be very ready, be ready for sure. <laughs> you know, and if, and if you're not ready, if you need some more advice and you need to join the John White school of mentoring, you can take advantage of that today. Just tweet or DM at nerd journey. I'd be happy to talk to you about pricing and packaging of that school. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> now you you can't even keep a straight face when you do that. You can't, you can't say that without laughing. <laughs> yeah. At that time I almost cracked up as I was doing it. Sorry. 
Um, and then last point, um, how to deal with a counter offer. Um, again, this is a, a separate manager tools uh, discussion point, um, also titled what to do with a counter offer. Uh, and we will provide a link to that. Um, and their guidance, you know, the most important thing, don't take the counter offer. Like that you have a reason why you're leaving the organization. Either you have a spectacular opportunity to progress or there have been promises made and broken. Uh, you don't like the commute. You know, there, there's, you know, all kinds of polit politics internally that you, you can't handle. Uh, all those things are valid reasons to leave. And man, uh, you know, if they say, oh, we'll fix all that. Well, how are they going to do that? Is it a magic wand? Are they going to give you more money? Is there more money that would actually make you happy with all the reasons that you had to leave? Um, and, and you know, the manager tools people made it a pretty critical point to me, which I hadn't really thought about, which is when you're saying that you have, that you're leaving, um, that you have another job lined up, you're basically telling them that you're so frustrated or, you know, you didn't like what was going on enough that you went through an entire job search process, hiring process, got selected, accept the, accepted the offer, and then came to tell them that you were leaving, and then they managed to ha hang on to you uh, with a counter offer. Now, uh, what that means is that you were ready to leave, so they kind of need to be prepared for you to leave as soon as, you know, I don't know, maybe even right away, right? So, they are probably, if they're smart, they're going to start to get a pipeline of people to replace you because maybe you did have a bunch, you know, maybe it really was the commute and they couldn't do anything about that. So they just gave you more money, but you're still not happy with the commute. And six months later, you know, you, you go and resign again. So they're kind of, the, you know, you, you've said, I'm ready to leave and willing to leave. So they need to start getting ready for you to leave. Um, and they're going to be ready. And if they start a search, they might find somebody that they like. So that's a dangerous position for you to be in to say, Hey, I'm ready to leave. Um, and then stay. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, Nick. It's, it's just kind of scary. It's kind of saying, Hey, start looking for my replacement on your timeline, <laughs> not mine. Yeah. Uh, and you make some good points. You know, if you invested all that time, then there was really some reasons that you wanted to get out of there. And, you know, we see a lot of posts, I've seen them on Spiceworks about, hey, should I take this counter offer? Should I not? What should I do? And a lot of the advice is exactly what you just said. You know, are they just going to, are you just going to leave six months later when you decide that, you know, you're laying in the same bed you were in before that you didn't like? Yeah. You know, usually it's not just money. It, honestly, if it's just money, then you should have had a different conversation. You should have had a, I need a raise conversation. And that should have been backed up by, you know, a bunch of different um, documentation for how you have progressed as an individual, taken on more responsibilities, excelled at the, at the tasks you were given, you know, taken on additional tasks, excelled at those. And all that justifies a raise. And then if they say, well, no, now you have a reason to leave, right? And then what are they going to do? Say, well, we, we are going to give you that raise. I mean, they didn't. So that was that. You know, they could, <laughs> I, I don't know what, you know, how that discussion would even go, right? Oh, just kidding. 
we are going to give you that money. But I mean, yeah. if, and in a lot of the situations, you know, the raises have kind of been promised. It's like, listen, next year, we're going to try to do something. Hey, we're trying to make this up to you by giving you a bigger raise next time around. And then that doesn't happen. Well, you know, if they promised you those things and those promises were broken, like what are the chances that this promise is going to come through? I mean, that, you have right. no way of and then positively the judging argument that. of, well, you weren't worth that money before and you're only worth it now because you're ready to walk out. Yeah, that, that can't be true, right? <laughs> I mean, it can't be true that that is the case. Either they, you know, you know, they, they knew your value and refused to give you the money or they, uh, you know, they don't think that you're worth it, but they don't, they want to give themselves a, a buffer while they find your replacement who they think they can bring in cheaper. Yep. Good point. So at any rate, I think that's pretty much all that I had on that. And I think as a result, uh, everything that we had planned, anything else uh, come up for you while we were talking, Nick? No, sir. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening. We want to know if we're being helpful, and we're always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White, at VJourneyman for Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore, signing off. Adios. I'm John White, at VJourneyman for Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd, underscore, signing off. Adios. I said it this time. (laughs) Oh, my goodness.